This is a Source FM weekend news summary, sharing positive ideas and stories during the lockdown. Brought to you by the Source FM news team in association with Falmouth University Journalism. You're listening to Source FM, and I'm Karolina Bohačová from Falmouth University Journalism. One of the biggest challenges during the coronavirus pandemic is to keep NHS workers safe. A nationwide initiative to sow hospital scrubs have been established a few weeks ago, and its Cornish branch was set on Wednesday. Annie Lucas, a former costume designer and owner of a small sewing school, stepped forward and started organizing the Cornish group. And Annie joins me now. So Annie, can you introduce the initiative in more detail, please? A few weeks ago, a national group called For the Love of Scrubs was set up by an NHS nurse who recognised that there was a need for scrubs in her own team. And that went absolutely nuts and now has about 18,000 members. Um, and I volunteered to coordinate a scrub making effort for Cornwall uh, healthcare workers and NHS and we went live with a group yesterday and we now have over 400 volunteers. 400 volunteers, that's amazing. So who can sign up and what skills do they need? We are looking for people who can sew um, and assemble garments, a, a kind of reasonable level of dressmaking skill. But we're also looking for people that can help, if they can't help with sewing, who can help with pre-washing of fabric or distribution of sewing patterns or collecting or delivering of fabric to people um, or distribution of uh, scrubs to the relevant people that have requested them. And we're also doing a shout out to vets and dentists who may have scrubs that they no longer use, old scrubs, um, and we're collecting those in and distributing them to the GP surgeries. A lot of the um, community team are finding that although they are not usually scrub wearing when they work, they're finding that they want to wear scrubs now when they're working rather than their own clothes because of the um, viral transmission potentially on fabric. Um, and everyone has to be really careful. So the, the GPs are, are crying out for scrubs as well as the community teams and healthcare workers and uh, care home workers. Are there any special requirements in terms of fabric, etc.? Or can people donate any fabric they find at home? The scrubs need to be ideally a polycotton mix, a kind of 65-35 or 55-50-50 mix of polyester and cotton. They have to be laundered at quite high temperatures of 60 degrees plus in order to kill any um, bugs in them. So the polyester helps with longevity. At the moment, we are looking looking to predominantly make blue um, navy blue, royal blue, pale blue and green. But having just spoken to the hospital, it may be that we can open up the colour bracket if other if other colours um, are more available than those particular colours. As you can imagine, there's going to be a national shortage of fabric pretty soon because the world and his wife all over the UK is making scrubs for their local trust. The main thing is that the polyester is quite important um, because of the longevity of the fabric and that anybody who makes anything needs to pre-wash their fabric at 60 degrees in order to pre-shrink it before they cut. Are there any ways small local businesses can get involved? If local businesses um, have a capacity for uh, laser cutting in bulk, then that is hugely valuable to us because the cutting is very time consuming and it means we can distribute pre-cut packs to sewists who can then run them up and, and manufacture them a lot more quickly. It's also very hard to cut in bulk in a domestic environment and because of the size of tables and spaces required. We are also looking for printers to print up copies of the pattern for us for those people that can't print at home and the current system is that there is a, a pdf pattern that people can print at home on a4 pieces of paper and then they have to sellotape them together but that in itself is about two hours work so um, if there are printers around who are able to print on large format a0 then we can distribute those patterns to our sewers and that would also be of enormous value and any laundrettes who are willing to donate their machines uh, for us to be able to 
waterproof shrink fabric in large quantities, laundrettes or laundries or anyone with commercial ironing facilities, that's also really beneficial to us. We are we have a very small sum of, of, of money that's come from a private donation. We're trying to um, raise a little bit more in order to be able to fund all this. But anybody who has anything that they're willing to donate um, in terms of resources or time or cash uh, needs to contact one of the admins through the Facebook page in the first instance. Managing so many people must be extremely stressful. How do you keep your motivation? My uncle told me the other day that when my grandmother emigrated to East Africa in the 20s with her parents, and my, grand- my great-grandfather was a doctor, they had they were doing a lot of doctoring in the, in the bush with local people who were suffering from bad ulcers due to vitamin deficiency. And my granny, as a little girl, was spent every night cutting up bed sheets to make bandages for the local people that her father was um, looking after. So it sort of feels a little bit like history repeating itself in a slightly bigger way, in a way. And that's, in a way, is also quite motivational. Amazing. Would you like to add anything else? Well, I really want to say that I am blown away by the quantity of people that have come forward to volunteer. We're inundated and it's amazing. And the sense of community and community spirit is extraordinary. So I want really to say thank you to everybody that's come forward so far. And also just to say, if people don't get a response straight away in the group when they do come come in, please bear with us because we're a small team and we are just trying to manage a flood of of um of people in a in a very intense period of time whilst also being at home running our own businesses and looking after our kids like everyone else is so i'm eternally grateful to the people that have come forward and um and we will welcome anybody else but just if people can bear with us while we get ourselves sorted that would be amazing to sign up and find more information please go to the facebook page cornwall scrubs where you can look with the admins either for sewing or helping with logistics In the next few days, smaller regional groups will be established, so keep an eye on it and don't forget to tune in for more coronavirus good news stories from Source FM. You're listening to Source FM, and I'm Ivor Richards from Falmouth University Journalism. There's a growing political row as the government carry on. You you carry on, you know, back into uh, who you uh, might be familiar with if you've been uh, watching us a lot in coming day, uh, recent days and weeks. But obviously, any health questions, concerns, observations. I was sitting and watching TV less than 24 hours before I'd been asked not to turn up for work. Sitting there, feeling pretty useless, and watching how hard our NHS staff were working on the front line. So when I heard the Royal Voluntary Service were looking for NHS voluntary responders and a target of 250,000 people, I signed up immediately. I did get a bunch of paperwork through on email, but I'm not entirely sure what exactly I need to do. I understand there are several roles, a community response volunteer that involves collecting shopping, medication or other essential supplies for somebody who is self-isolating and delivering those supplies to their home. I also see there's a patient transport volunteer and that involves supporting the NHS by providing transport to patients who are medically fit for discharge and ensuring that they're settled back safely into their home. The NHS transport volunteer role involves transporting equipment, supplies and or medication between NHS services and sites. It may also involve assisting pharmacies on medication delivery. And then a check-in and chat volunteer. That role provides short-term telephone support to individuals who are at risk of loneliness as a consequence of self-isolation. So, I sit and wait for directions. I think I have this romantic view of charging across the Cornish countryside on my motorbike, saving lives and delivering essential products, bloods, medication, food. Two days after the appeal began, 750,000 people had applied. The drive has now actually been temporarily paused to enable the charity to process applications and work together with the NHS to get the volunteer army up and running. So the paperwork came through to me by email after my application and I was instructed to download the Responder app. I had a quick look through the app after I downloaded it and couldn't see a great deal to do with it until I'd actually been recognised as a registered volunteer. That required some background checks and a copy of my passport. That gave me about 72 hours to look through the paperwork that they'd sent over to me, and to prepare me for being a knight in shining armour on my trusty motorcycle steed. When I initially opened up the app, 
there was an opportunity to simulate an alert. So I went through that process, wasn't quite sure I understood how it was working, and couldn't really see any opportunity to respond in a real or virtual way. So my clearance came two days ago. So as requested, I fired up the app again and switched on the button that said, I'm on duty and I'm raring to go. So the thing you notice when you open up your app is a map of your area. And there's lots of green androgynous people icons clustered around particular areas of population. For me, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, but I can see lots of people around me. Not only can I see particular place names like Helford Passage, Mainporth, Falmouth, Myla Bridge, all laden with green icons. These are our responders. Over in Constantine, I can see a green running person icon with a little red heart with a stab of lightning through it. I think this is a defibrillator, or at least somebody who's trained to use it. I'm not quite sure. If I go and have a look at my responder profile in the app, I can actually see that I am part of the UK Royal Voluntary Service. It expires in 2100, which is probably after I'll expire. And I've been on duty for 39 hours. In that 39 hours, silence. It's all gone a bit quiet. I guess I'm hopeful that as the army of volunteers such as myself are corralled, there'll be things that appear in my app and I will get alerts for things that I can usefully do on behalf of the NHS or for my fellow citizens. So here I am, I sit and wait, and I promise to report back as tasks come in and let you know exactly how things are going as a volunteer responder. Stay tuned. You're listening to Source FM, and I'm Maxine Denton from Falmouth University Journalism. I think we can all agree that being in quarantine with your pet makes it all a little easier. If you're wondering how to take care of your furry friend during this time, Jenny from Doggies and Moggies in Penryn joins me now to share her advice. So how have you found um, that pet owners are coping? Um, they seem to be coping quite well, really. Um, I think they have had a few worries about availability of dog food and cat food and everything um, for their pets. And actually, you know, some dogs and cats have particular dietary requirements. So they're worrying about whether we can get the supply. But we're sort of like reassuring them that we are getting hold of items quite quickly and we should hopefully carry going forward be able to carry on um staying open so that they can get their food and putting their minds at rest as such oh that's great do they come to the shop or do you deliver to them as well um we do both at the moment we're focusing on the people who are vulnerable and elderly because obviously they're the ones who can't come out for their supplies yeah of course. um and encouraging the ones that can to come to the shop um, we are not allowing anybody into the shop apart from at the entrance where they can tell us what they want. We go and get their food. We're wiping down all of the equipment before we touch it for them and them touching like the chip and pin machines and sort of like handing over the goods so it's kind of the social distancing that we yeah. have to. We're also, you know, taking phone calls from people so they can do like a call us. We get it ready, they pay for it over the phone, and then we just put it outside for them if they're feeling uncomfortable about the shopping experience. So, yeah, we're just trying to kind of come up with new ideas to make the shopping experience good, but keeping us all safe at the same time. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, and it's nice that you can still be open and kind of do your bit as well for everyone and their pets. That's it, yeah. I mean, we have been classed as an essential store to be open for us, so whilst we're allowed to stay open, we will... Because, you know, the animals are important to people. That's what's going to help them get through this horrible um, situation that we're all in. I mean, my dog has helped me through sort of like times I've come home from work a bit sort of frazzled and stuff. And she's calmed me down as such. Yeah, bless. What kind of dog do you have? (laughs) I have a cockapoo called Kiwi. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I've got two dogs as well. And they've loved having everyone home. And they, it's kind of like brightens your day a little when you see them and it kind of makes you forget about everything when you're spending time with them I think totally totally yeah I agree completely you know you're allowed out for your hour walk and it's like I'm looking forward to getting home tonight to take her out for her walk and she looks so happy when she's out and it just kind of makes you think is this really going on because they're sort of like totally oblivious to it and it's a nice thing to see 
Yeah, exactly. But yeah, what kind of main concerns do you think people have? Um, I think it's what measures have we got in place to encourage the social distancing um, and putting their minds at rest. You know, it's, I think we're probably stricter than what you would do if you went to a common, you know, to the everyday supermarket as much as they yeah. put their measures in place. We're that one step further. We're not letting them come in and touch things. We're just passing things over. We have gloves. Um, we've um, wiped stuff down. We've got hold of flora, which has killed off 99.9% of the bacteria um, and viruses. So it's kind of showing what we're doing to prevent the spread as such. And yeah, of course. Yeah, so they're feeling safe and they're happy to come back because we're putting this in place and they know that we can get the supply of food that they require. Yeah. Are you just selling food at the moment or there are, are there other things? Well, there's treats that they like. So, you know, they, the essential stuff is the food. Yeah. Um, cool. Obviously, if once they're here, you know, if they want to pick something up, then they can do. We're not going to stop that at all um, because they're already here. So they might as well yeah. get what they want anyway. But, you know, the, the main focus is all of the animal food, basically. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fair enough. So what advice would you give to people to look after their pets? Just keep them safe, really. You know, when you're taking your dog out for a walk, don't let other people near your dog because obviously that could be transferred onto the dog. Not that yeah. the dog carries it, but it's the same situations, you know, treating your animals the same as you would treat yourself. All right, well, thanks so much for your time, Jenny. Not a problem. Keep safe. Thank you, and you. Take care. Take care. That's Jenny from Doggies and Moggies in Penryn. And you can find out more about her services on Facebook. I'm Maxine Denton. Stay tuned for more coronavirus good news stories from Source FM. You're listening to Source FM. I'm Jamie Pratt from Falmouth University Journalism. When Boris Johnson announced that travel by car was limited to exclusively food shops and key workers, he left Jane Morris with a peculiar problem. She wouldn't be able to care for a little friend she'd made, Bobbin the Robin, who lived too far away for Jane to travel to by foot. This led her to reach out to the community closer to Bobbin to help the Robin in Jane's stead. The response was very unexpected. So I reached out to Jane so she could explain the entire situation to us. Okay, well, it's um, it's Pendennis Point, um, Bottom Car Park, and I've been going there just to sort of enjoy the view and um, watch the sea for the past four months now, over the winter especially. And a little robin came last December, perched on my wing mirror, um, thought, how cute is that? Didn't think anything more of it. Next day, he did it again. Um, and I realized this little guy, little girl, actually is asking for food. And so the next day that I went there, I took seeds and, and sultanas and various things. And she came back and with quite a variety Aww. of other little birds. And we stayed quite late because it was mm -hmm. going dark early then. And there's also a variety of other little creatures. There are voles and mice that come out in the evening. So um, the word spread. In yeah, the yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so for the past four months, I developed quite a relationship with her called her bobbin um sang a little mm. song to her she comes when i sing and if you go bobbin <laughs> she will come mm -hmm. she recognizes that sound she recognizes Amazing. the voice the car and i started to do some research and apparently they do recognize voice um face even the color of a car and um realize that you know what i'm i'm providing a, a very strange kind of service here to wildlife <laughs> And yeah. And now, of course, with the, the necessary restrictions to keep us all safe, I live in Morn and Smith, so I'm too far to drive there without what mm -hmm. they'd consider to be a good reason, which I, I appreciate completely. So mm -hmm. I thought maybe I can put out the heart to the community on the community pages and just see if anyone in the area um, is on, yeah, on Facebook. Absolutely, on Facebook, on the Falmouth, the page that you found me on the Falmouth and Penryn community page. And was absolutely amazed by the response. And I, I realized then that not only was I helping Bobbin, which was the, the initial aim, I hoped one. I just hoped one, Jamie. I hoped just one person would say, hey, you know what? I, I walk past there. I jog past. I cycle. And I've got a few few seeds. I can take some, some seeds with me. And the first one to respond to me was Leonie who works in care herself. I'm an ex-child counsellor, so I care about mm -hmm. things. Um, 
and she responded and and we called it operation bobbin between the two of us and then within a few hours i had 142 loves and likes and it just got spread through a community that i'm overwhelmed by i'm thinking come on falmouth you know we we have mm -hmm. a heart and we i feel like it's brought us together as a community, not only supporting yeah. a Robin, but supporting each other and giving each other a purpose, I feel, and a beautiful view to boot. Yeah, it's just amazing how much the community took a hold of it. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, so uh, have there been any updates on it? So have people gone by tons, since then? Tons. Leone went this morning. <laughs> She's taken photos. She saw her. Um, and she's left seeds and other people have left seeds and it looks to me like everybody's onto it. The response has been incredible. I'm, I was in tears last night. I was absolutely, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I just thought, what a beautiful community we have that people will do something like this and you know, yeah. think about wildlife as well as each other. I'm thrilled, mm. thrilled. <laughs> I'm just hoping at the end of it as well that when we can all meet each other again, perhaps we can have a an Operation Bobbin party down on Pendennis Head and, you know, celebrate yeah. that we've all made it through this. I'll keep updating and I know Leone's going to keep going there and hopefully we'll get more people. We need the more, the more that we can, to be honest with you, Jamie, because... Um, I think the wildlife will suffer a lot. Um, I've heard a lot more seagulls coming inland because they're, they're missing people yep. going to them. And we have to think about these things. And perhaps it's a way to um, focus less on our own fears and more on the bigger picture. And that was Jane Morris and Bobbin the Robin. For more information on Bobbin's story and some updates, be sure to check out the Falmouth and Penryn and Surrounding Areas Community Information Facebook page. And for more coronavirus good news stories, be sure to stay tuned to Source FM. You're listening to Source FM, and I'm Joe Bunkle from Falmouth University Journalism. During this period of self-isolation, travel has become an increasingly difficult area of life. We have been asked to only make essential journeys, such as to and from work if you're a key worker. This also means that people are struggling to get basic supplies like food and medicine. Taking public transport and going to the shops both pose considerable health risks to those most vulnerable to COVID-19. That's why a taxi company operating in the centre of Falmouth is offering a limited service for key workers and making free home deliveries to those most affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Managing Director Tom Arrington joins me now. We were just thinking in any way, we obviously we're offering extremely limited service at the moment, purely for workers um, in the food industry or doctors and nurses, people in nursing homes rely on us um, all year round. But while we've got cars out there, we'd like to help the community in any way we can. So for any elderly people who are self-isolating in Penn or Falmouth, if they need us to go and get medication or pick up shopping, that they've obviously liaised and bought, we're, we're happily do that for no charge. I mean, it, the communities, it's about keeping people safe, isn't it? And this is far beyond running a business and it's just trying to look after the people that we see every single day. So, yeah, it was just something we wanted to offer our customers and also obviously the wider population in Penryn and Falmouth. You know, we all try to look after each other. And how many drivers do you have working right now? We've only got, uh, as I said, it's a very limited because we are, it's obviously about contamination. We need to be careful about who we put out. All the drivers have cleaners for the car and hand sanitizer. We only have um, three to four cars at any one time. Generally, that's enough to move people who are essential workers around. Um, and obviously, we're having to subsidize their wages to do that um, purely because it is so very, very quiet at the moment. And have you had many takers so far? Yeah, absolutely. We've um, had our regular customers ask us to pick up their medication and things like that. As long as we've got their date of birth and they've told the pharmacy we're going to do it, um, we've managed to drop things around. We've dropped um, shopping around to a few people as well. It's um, because it's so difficult for you know old people or people above seventy. I shouldn't say old. They're being asked to stay inside, and you know they, there's bare essentials that they need. And a lot of people they don't have family 
in general, let alone down here. So it cuts a lot of people off. So if we can be a lifeline to any of these people and help them, we're happy to do it. We are operating 24 hours at the moment, so it's it's all hours and you know, we're, we're running to move them around and help them get where they need to go. Because obviously there's a lot of nursing homes in Falmouth and it's vitally important we get workers there because the public transport at the best of times isn't great. Um, I think it's having real problems at the moment. And what's the best way to contact you for people listening at home? Just give us a call on 01326 212141. That's uh, 212141. And uh, yeah, we've got um, Joe in the office um, every day. And uh, we're trying to help you in any way we possibly can. That's, that's all we're here to do. That's Tom Arrington from Abacus and Found of Taxis. And you can find out more about the project on their Facebook page. I'm Joe Bunkle. Stay tuned for more coronavirus good news stories from Source FM. You're listening to Source FM and I'm Abigail Wincott from Falmouth University Journalism. All non-essential shops have had to close in the coronavirus outbreak and that means charity shops as well. What happens to the charities who depend on that income? I spoke to Tamsin Thomas of Cornwall Hospice Care. So we have 31 charity shops that are stretched right across Cornwall, uh, from Bude up in the far north right down to Penzance. Those shops are incredibly valuable to us. Uh, And and yes, it's a big old knock when you suddenly have to close uh, all those income streams. Our shops collectively fund each year uh, just over 16% of our care costs. um, And that's a total of around £887,000 that goes direct to paying for that frontline care that's offered through the hospices. So you can imagine the net effect of closing one is bad enough, but to then have to watch all 31 close, it's a real jolt. Have you any idea how much the closure is is costing? Have you been able to calculate that? Well, interestingly, in the week in the run-up to when we closed, uh, those shops had generated £40,000 of income. So that gives you an idea of in a good trading week, there's a lot of money coming in um, and that's all money going to the front line. So, yeah, of course, it's costing us every week. Um, and that, And, of course, allied with the fact we've had to postpone our fundraising events until at least July, that income stream has stopped as well. So what other kind of fundraising events do you do? So we do all sorts. Um, We have community fundraising events um, and they are bedrock for us. Um, That's people out in Cornwall doing things for us and then giving us the money. And then the real sad thing is it's our 40th year this year. So we have big celebrations planned throughout the year uh, and lots of events to mark that anniversary. The biggest one being an attempt to break the world record for the biggest cream tea. And, you know, it's heartbreaking that we've spent a year planning for this 40th year and now it's all in the air and we can't even say when we might be able to get it back on track. Have you have you got any kind of plan for how you're going to make up the, the funding shortfall from these events and from your shop? There's a lot of conversations going on all the time now. Um, the most important thing was to keep our hospices open and that's happening. Um, but behind the scenes, yes, of course. So we're talking about, um, you know, what we'll do when we get to the point that we can start opening the shops and getting the events back underway. Um, we've noticed... Um, and growing number of people who are supporting us by joining our lottery. They can do that without having to come near us. They can do it virtually. And hey, as well as supporting us, they might just win a bit of money on a Friday when we have our draw. So the lottery, um, just uh, tell people how they can get lottery tickets. Absolutely. So the great thing about our lottery is that um, it happens virtually. um, And usually people can go into our shops and buy a ticket. But you can go onto our website which is www.cornwallhospicecare.co.uk. And you can buy a, one line for a pound, five lines for a five, or whatever suits you. Um, your numbers go into the draw every Friday. And every Friday, there's a £1,000 winner, a £50 winner, and then a bunch of £5 winners. And alongside that, a rollover, which is around the £2,000 mark at the moment. 
and can grow to £10,000 if it doesn't get won. OK, that's great. Thank you. So so people can, can buy lottery tickets and they can look out for, for your future appeals. Is there anything else that they can do? Do you need volunteers or is it is it best if they, they just uh, well, stay at home? Well, exactly. It's if you feel you could help in some way, you can contact either of our hospices um, and the phone numbers are all on our website. And, and then we'll have a discussion with you to see if there is some way you can help or whether you can help us when we go into that recovery phase. And and also, I guess, um, please don't leave anything no, else the shops. Now, a really important message is there aren't the staff there. And we really beg people not to leave donations outside the shops because none of the staff are there to bring the donations in or deal with them and they'll just become a hazard and a nuisance to other people so please bear with us and don't worry we'll shout loudly when we're ready to have donations again. That was Tamsin Thomas from Cornwall Hospice Care and if you want to support their work or access self-help information and advice you can visit their website at www.cornwallhospicecare.co.uk I'm Abigail Wincott, stay tuned for more coronavirus stories from Source FM. You're listening to Source FM and I'm Charles Curry from Falmouth University Journalism. While we're all sat at home throughout this crisis, there are still many people out there on the front line. One of those people is student nurse Rachel Lang from Falmouth. (laughs) Brought to tears. At only 21, Rachel Lang has faced a tough introduction into the nursing world. I caught up with Rachel to understand how the community has supported NHS workers during this crisis. So my name's Rachel Lang and I'm a student nurse apprentice. Um, I work at Falmouth Hospital and I'm on placement at Trelesk at the moment. So as a student nurse, you've really been thrown in the deep end with the current situation. Yeah, I guess um, at the moment it's just like the fear of the unknown. I suppose it's nothing that we've ever sort of dealt with before, so it's um, very nerve-wracking. Can you give me an idea of what it's like for you and your colleagues at the moment? At the moment, uh, we're just, you know, playing it by ear and uh, relying on the other nurses and members of staff to keep us going, really. Um, It's just a matter of uh, staying together at the moment. Overall, how much support have you felt from the local community in this time? It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, The generosity of of everyone, um, giving food away, um, giving, you know, drinks and meals and things away. um, And of course, coming home the other night to... um, you know, the whole local community around where I live, clapping and, and screaming and applauding you. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's totally overwhelming. You were clearly very moved in that video that you posted online. What does it mean to have so many people giving you and your colleagues recognition at this time? Well, um, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago when all of this just started, um, I just sort of felt like, you know, I'm just doing my job you know just every day sort of thing didn't really think nothing of it wasn't I wasn't really taking it seriously um and now to know that we're one of the only people that are you know working at the moment through this horrible time um it's really sort of you know I got really emotional the other day when you've got like the whole community behind you and you you know you haven't seen anybody in days but yet everyone's out on their doorstep clapping for the work that you're doing it's it's you know it's totally overwhelming and just to wrap things up Do you have a message for everyone that is listening back at home? Um, If I could give any message, I would just say thank you, um, everyone. Um, Just keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Um, We really are incredible. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't just here in Falmouth the claps were heard. Nationwide, people stepped out onto their doorsteps, balconies and gardens to show support for all our essential workers. Although we might not know when this coronavirus will become under control, we know the gratitude for our NHS workers will not fade. Charles Curry, reporting for Source FM. Thank you, NHS. Thanks very much. Thank you. You're listening to Source FM and I'm Karolina Bohačová from Falmouth University Journalism. Going shopping and cooking every day has become quite difficult for people in quarantine or self-isolation. Luckily, a volunteer group in Falmouth has decided to step in and help. 
I'm joined by Toots and Charlotte, who are from Farmer Food Corp Kitchen. Since January, the group has been organizing community feasts, in which people were welcome to join in and eat. Starting on Monday, they will cook meals for people in need. Anyone can sign up for food, and there's a there's a form online on our website, which is www.farmersfood.coop, and there's a form there for anyone to fill in with their details and the food they require, any kind of allergies or intolerances, and how many people are in the house. And we're we're currently cooking twice a week, so those two days will be batch cooking a load of food, which will be portioned up and then distributed to those who've signed up and. They can receive as much or as little food as, as they want, really. Farm Food Corp caters for all dietary requirements, including a gluten-free diet. Ordered meals will be delivered within the Falmouth and Penryn area. So, Toots, how does it all work? We will be kind of bulk cooking and then freezing a lot of food. So every every package will come with really detailed instructions of ingredients and what's included in the meal and also how people um, will then heat it up for themselves to keep everything really safe and um, hygienic. Are you looking for volunteers? How can people help you? We're trying to stick to two teams at the moment to minimise the number of people actually cooking the food. But I guess um, volunteers are always good for delivering and picking up ingredients that we need as well. But we're also hoping for some donations as well. Yeah, we're really asking for donations to kind of keep this a sustainable project because we can see it carrying on for a really long period of time um, looking at the current situation and, and how many people are are really falling under the radar and, and who, who require this support. So um, any donations would be really gratefully received and all the details for those are also on the website. Um, you can find the details for that, anything anyone feels they'd like to donate um, just to support us in, in buying ingredients and, in, and buying supplies so that we can keep cooking for everyone would be amazing. How has the experience been for you so far? Have you got any feedback? Yeah, it's been so encouraging. Um, kind of the last week or so, setting up this project and, and coming in and contacting lots of other um, community outreach projects who were who were cooking for people or offering support or even you know talking to people on the phone. It's really um, really heartwarming and just encouraging to all be in it together and and trying to do what we can. It, it's great that now we're in a position to cook for quite a lot of people really and we've got the, the team to do that which is, is really great and just as a reminder there's there's a hotline as well that people can ring if they don't want to fill out an online form or they're not familiar with that. Um, the number you can ring is 01326-567-526 and we can then fill out the form with that person over the phone if that's easier. Um, and the online form is all on the website, which is www.falmouthfood.coop. That's been Toots Parkin and Charlotte Higgins from the Falmouth Food Corp group. Don't forget to spread the word. And if you need help, please fill in the forms on the website falmouthfood.coop, spelled C-O-O-P, where you can also make a donation. Stay tuned for more coronavirus good news stories from Source FM. You're listening to Source FM, and I'm Kira Taylor from Falmouth University Journalism. Looking for inspiration for your next daily exercise? Tash Burks in Falmouth is making sure she keeps changing the display in her bookshop window to cheer people up. Where does your daily exercise take you? Morning, Mum. Morning. All right? Lovely day. Beautiful day, Mum. Just sort of come up and check on you. For Tash Burks, the owner of Bookmark in Falmouth, it's to check up on her mum. For others, it could be to enjoy her bookshop's window display. Tasha's shop is closed, but she's still finding a way to make books part of people's lives, popping down from her flat above the shop to change the display. I fiddle around with the window display because people go for little walks and they love looking in my window. So I change it and put new books in every other day for them. I've got motoring, I've got maritime, I've got art, I've got self-help, zen, I've got nature, natural history, flowers, all sorts. I cover the board. You know, such um, spirituality, children's books, ladybird books. It's, it's there's, like I said, there's seven military books. I do all sorts. A, I used to be. A, I was raised in a pub, and it, there's a drink for everybody. And I, my, my way I do my window is there's a book for everybody. Somebody might want that book on uh, um, diseases or pests and or, or Labradors or Chihuahuas or whatever. There's always somebody that says, 
do you know what? I needed that book. I didn't know I needed that book, but you've now told me I need that book, Tasha, and I'll pay for it. So people will get excited. What are the, what am I going to put there next? People come out on the daily routine to look at my, my shop window. You don't see people stopping outside of Tesco's and looking at the window, do you? Or even clothes shops, but books, when you've got 70 or 80 books, so what, you don't know what your eye is going to scan on next. Bookmark will be closed for what she expects to be the next six months, but she hopes that government grants and her savings will mean she can keep employing her staff and reopen when this is over. She posts pictures of her displays on Instagram under the hashtag at bookmarkfalmouth. For her, seeing people come together on social media has been the silver lining of the lockdown. It's like nobody else has got anything else to talk about, so it's so this is what we talk about now, and it's like and we we talk about what we're in our homes. Everyone's sharing stuff. Social media is incredible right now. It's supportive. There's, there's funny stories. There's a lot of laughter. I mean, you know, sometimes negativity does bring out something positive. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm on the COVID-19 um, Facebook page, and I meant someone put a shopping bag up. And I went, oh, I could murder a potato. I haven't got any. And then that evening, a girl comes around with a box of potatoes. So, if you're looking for something to do on your next daily exercise, why not take a walk down to Bookmark and see which volume jumps out at you? Or, if you're outside of the five-mile zone, follow her on Instagram at Bookmark Falmouth. You're listening to Source FM. I'm Felicity Giles from Falmouth University Journalism. Key workers are being protected from COVID-19 as people throughout Cornwall are offering accommodation to workers needing to separate from families in order to stay safe. I'm joined by leader of the initiative, Emma Holland. I kept seeing posts on Facebook from NHS staff in particular that were needing to self-isolate from family members to protect them, but while they still worked. And um, I just I, I just had a little look around to see if there was any pages like it. And there are. Um, there's actually a lot. There's a national one. There's one in Bristol. Um, there's even a lady doing one in America. Um, and I've been talking to her a little bit, um, sort of swapping notes on how to, to go forward and everything. But um, there wasn't one for the Southwest specifically. And I thought a regional one might really, really help. So I basically set the page up and, um, and it's kind of grown from there. We're on day two and we just had our first success story. And a friend of mine, Alison Guy, she actually um, came forward and offered a property. We were already interacting with this crisis to just try and support parents that are homeschooling with like a daily zoology lesson, zoology-based lesson for sort of primary school age. So that I was doing already with my classmates as well. We're all producing material to go on there. And then, um, yeah, seeing these posts about the NHS staff that need to isolate to to protect their loved ones because they've got vulnerable people at home or just, just in general. We've literally had one success story that's sort of come through us um, via messages but we're hoping the site will be kind of running itself um, because people can interact directly with each other. I mean, even if we only have one success, it's 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 a positive, isn't it? But hopefully it's going to take off. We've had more offers of accommodation being posted today. Um, we're sharing it far and wide. Um, I've phoned Radio Cornwall, spoken to you now, and been contacting hotels and different sort of accommodation providers around and just trying to get it to, to take off. And we're yeah, starting to reach far and wide. Our uh, most successful post has been seen by about 22,000 people now. So hopefully the more people that post and interact, the more successful the site will be. It's definitely either at cost or, or free, um, if anyone can help. And, um, and then there was another thing. I was looking at the GoFundMe pages. Um, Alison Guy, that's the other admin, she was talking about potentially setting something up as a fund for people that do need to, to get um, accommodation or people providing accommodation to, to reclaim some of the funds. Um, and, there, and there are so many GoFundMe pages set up already for COVID-19 and so much money going into it that potentially anybody that did need assistance with accommodation costs could potentially um, apply there anyway potentially there's been more successes that we wouldn't know about um the rainley court in newquay um opened up the whole of their block of flats which we did add to the site i rang them and asked if we could add it to the site and they said yes of course so potentially people have seen that through through our page hopefully um and so maybe more people might have have um benefited from it but we don't know so hopefully people have but even if it's just one person then it's it was worth putting it up that was emma holland founder of the organization you can find out more about the project at Key Workers Isolation Accommodation Finder on Facebook. Stay tuned for more coronavirus good news sources from Source FM. 
You're listening to Source FM, and I'm Karolina Bohachova from Falmouth University Journalism. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds. This is Alan Little, reading Shakespeare's Sonnet 116 on BBC Radio 4's Today programme as a part of their new Comfort and Hope broadcast. I spoke with Alan about the importance of poetry. So Alan, would you say that the Sonnet 116 could be a reflection of the current situation as well, although you've chosen it for personal reasons? Yeah, I think it does resonate with the current situation because the poem also talks about um, facing tempests and not being shaken. Uh, and we're going through a tempest at the moment, which is about to get stronger. And it's important that we should try not to be shaken by it. But I think the broader resonance is that we will all be altered by this. We will all be changed by it. We'll have to change the way we live. We'll have to change the things we value. And I think we will emerge from it with a stronger sense of commitment to each other, understanding of each other. I hope the toxic nature of our public discourse will change. Uh, And I think we will come to value in a much more explicit and conscious way the things we've always taken for granted, like meeting friends in a pub or going walking in the hills with people you love. And we will, we will come to see these things as not beyond challenge. These things are, not, these things should, are, are precious, but we treat them as though they're inviolable. We treat them as though nothing can harm them, nothing can damage them. And my experience from 20 years ago is that you don't really fully appreciate what you have until you nearly lose it. And you don't really fully appreciate what you have until you're denied it, even if it's only temporary, even if it's only for three or six months. And now that we've been denied these things, we see them as almost miraculous. And I think we should learn to value them much more explicitly and conscious. Time with people we love, time with people we care about. Um, we, we just took it for granted. Now we can't have it. We understand how precious it is. And I think this, that Shakespearean sonnet addresses that too. Alan, however, is not the only one publicly turning to poetry in the times of a lockdown. Falmouth resident Penny Parker writes poetry in her free time to reflect on emotions and experiences. Like this one, which Penny decided to share with us today. The plight of the toilet roll. Yesterday was normal. I woke up just the same. I visited the bathroom and there began the game. I thought I had some toilet roll. I bought a pack of four. Had I really used them? I thought I had some more. But no, there hung the inner, naked on the hook. And I could find no tissue, not even in the nook. Away, I'll just go shopping. No problem, so I thought, until I tried to buy some, to find it's all been bought. I hunted for a four-pack, alas, not even one or two. No twelve-pack or none bigger. Whatever would I do? I travelled to the next store, and then the next one too thinking up alternatives. Whatever could I do? No kitchen roll, no wet ones, no tissue anywhere. I'm worried for my sanity and the plight of my underwear. I googled and I ebayed, but my goodness, what a price. It's not like they're quilted. Just one ply, so not nice. I've put a plea on Facebook. I've done a shop online from every supermarket, so I'm sure that I'll be fine. The only problem now I face is whenever will it come? It looks like maybe two weeks before I wipe my bum. Now on a more serious note, why did you decide to write poetry and publish it? I've been writing for years, for as long as I can remember. And usually it's something like the current situation that sparks something off. Um, And I just feel I need to read it. And social media is a great way of putting it out there so other people can can read it and share it. And if it makes them feel better or puts a smile on the face, that's uh, what it's all about. What is your inspiration for your work? With this current situation, it's been things about, you know, how we should all be thanking the NHS and thanking the shop staff, delivery people, and how we need to think about how we're behaving. Usually if I see somebody having a go at a member of a shop staff about something, then I feel I need to write about it. To me, it seems like a great way to cope with the current situation. Would you say writing poetry is a form of relaxation for you at the moment? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not in total isolation um, because I'm a key worker. But, you know, when you sit at home in the afternoon and in the evening and um, 
you see the odd person walking past, but not many people. It's something to do. It's, it's a way of expressing creativity and my feelings about people and the way they're behaving. Could you give a piece of advice to people who would like to start writing about their experiences and feelings? Do it. Just do it. Whichever way you want to do it, whether it's, you know, in a story, um, just a few lines, make it funny, uh, make it serious. Do it because you want to make people smile, you want to make people laugh, or do it because you're feeling a bit down. Put it all down on a, on a piece of paper and, and share it. Um, it doesn't have to rhyme. I like mine rhyming, but they don't have to rhyme. It doesn't even have to be a poem. Just write it down. This has been Penny Parker and her poem, The Plight of the Toilet Roll. You can find more Penny's pieces on a Facebook group, Through the Eyes of a Dog. And stay tuned for more coronavirus good news stories from Source FM. You're listening to Source FM. I'm Kevin Bishop from Farmouth Journalism. Keeping the family active while we're all stuck at home can be quite a challenge. We're almost missing the freedom to go out into the fresh air when we want, and the ability to get out onto the beach and enjoy the Cornish coast. So the people at Gilly Beach Surf Lifesaving have come up with a possible solution to allow you to do that training at home. Matthew Stone told us how it works. My name is Matthew Stone and I'm one of the coaches and former chairman of Gillian Bay's Surf Lifesaving Club. So during this uh, social distancing period we've set up a circuit training session where we're using letters to represent different clubs across the country, different surf lifesaving clubs across the country and members have to conduct um, an exercise relating to those letters. It's quite good, it's um, allowing people to kind of work together as a club to keep our morale up but staying in our own homes so all the exercises related to things you can do in the garden or in the lounge or, or kitchen or somewhere like that. Um, it's good for people's mental health and also their physical health so keeping together um, as a community whether we're not actually seeing each other is quite important. And um, yeah, for myself, I'm feeling fairly optimistic. I think if people are keeping distance, it's, um, it's going to get better sooner rather than later. So as long as people adhere to um, government guidelines, I think it's a, a promising outlook. OK, so we're getting going? Martha Dixon decided to let us have a listen to how the session went at her house. Okay. One, two, three, four, five... Six. Five. Oh, six. Seven. Theo Davies, I'm 11 years old and I'm with Gilly Surf Life Saving. Uh, it's not very good because we can't go outside and play with our friends and, and not see them at school. So just staying inside and not doing anything really. And what about Surf Life Saving? It's annoying that we can't do it because it keeps us really fit and uh, just gets up. It makes us really healthy. Describe what surf life saving is to me. Surf life saving is a sport where it trains people to be lifeguards and trains them to do all the activities what lifeguards do, and and it it just it's a really fun event to do and all the. Uh, competitions are just really nice and friendly. Super. And so you're missing it at the moment? Yeah. So what has been put in its place while you're at home, quarantined at home? Uh, the self-life-saving challenges that, that they've put us. Um, so today it was Dawlish Warren where we need, uh, where we did, so it's the alphabet and each letter has an exercise to do like a is 10 push-ups b is 1k run and it's just good to do for our exercise so how is the club doing it what are they doing for you uh gilly surf life-saving club they're putting out um they're putting out each club name and then we do the challenge and it just keeps us fit like we're doing surf life-saving Super. And so yesterday you spelt out the letters of Gillingvay's Surf Lifesaving Club. Yes. And, and what did you do today? Uh, Dawlish Warren Surf Lifesaving Club. So that was quite a lot of letters. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling now? Uh, it was good. It was really fun. How are you feeling about getting back in the sea after all this is over? I can't wait till, uh, till then.
And what do you got coming up when you get back in the sea for Gilly? The Nationals. What's that? Explain what that is. It's just a big competition of all the events in the sea. Tell me about those events. Uh, we have board, 1k run, uh, swim, golden nipper, just every event really. That sounds like enough to keep us busy for a while. I'm Kevin Bishop. Stay tuned for more coronavirus good news stories from Source FM. You're listening to Source FM, and I'm Charles Curry from Falmouth University Journalism. The government advice handed out to universities has had a profound effect on their students. A movement to online learning and assessment has been exciting, but posed several issues. I spoke to Ali Guy from the Falmouth and Exeter Students' Union. I'm Ali Guy, President of Welfare and Inclusivity for Falmouth and Exeter Students' Union. The situation with COVID-19 has hit universities really hard with closures across the country. What decisions have been taken from the union to help students? So the union has decided to move basically everything we do online. So all staff are still working, but they're working from home. We use um, Teams now to communicate with each other and we're just working out how we can best support all of our students online. We still have our advice appointments, um, students can still get in touch with like the advice director and um, have phone calls or Skype calls or whatever they need. Um, yeah, and all our staff are still just working as hard as possible to make sure that support's still there. The programme Microsoft Teams that Ali mentioned is being used university-wide for staff and students. The concept is simple. Everyone remotely tunes into a group call with their lecturer, where slideshows can be shown as they would in a physical class. Obviously, like isolation is quite a big worry about students who might not be able to get home for their families and might be left in accommodation on their own. So, yeah, we're just setting up any extra calls that students might want to have, whether it's just about academic stuff or if it's just, you know, to have a chat because they haven't done that. Um, and we're looking at we just started a new campaign um, called Isolation Not Isolated, which aims to bring together kind of an online community so that students can get involved in things and feel connected even if they are isolated. There's been a huge disruption to learning. What part has the uni had to play ensuring that our students aren't really going to be disadvantaged by this? I think obviously this has come as a massive shock to all institutions of all types. And it's been quite a quick turnaround. So the universities are both just working really hard to mitigate any issues that might come from all of this. Obviously, students and the way they work is going to be affected. But almost all universities now have moved their learning online um, and all different modules and departments looking at the specifics of their courses and working out how they can best get around not actually having students physically at university so they are working really hard to try to work out all like the nitty-gritty stuff but I do think it's going to take a while but I they'll get there to have the faith that they are doing the best that they can. Is there going to be anything set up where the uni students can almost aid the community and build up those relationships a little bit better? So I think it's really difficult for the universities or the union to set anything like that up themselves or ourselves because obviously everyone right now is being told to stay inside <laughs> um, sure. and it's at the individual's risk if they decide to go outside and it's also at the wider community risk if you know we're not following social distancing rules so I think it's really difficult and it needs to be taken in the consideration of each individual student whether they want to do that and I think you know so many people are volunteering for the NHS and that's really good and the NHS has all the procedures in place to make sure that uh, those people that are volunteering are kept safe so it really is up to the individual and I think you know volunteering at a time like this is fundamental and it's a really good thing to do but we need to just make sure that for us as a union and the universities that we're looking out for our students and their health and safety. As both students and staff adapt to this new way of learning and teaching it is unclear how long these actions will need to be carried out. Charles Curry reporting for Source FM. If you'd like to contribute your story or thoughts to be broadcast on the radio, you can now record or upload messages via our website. To do so, please visit www.thesourcefm.co.uk.
www.sourcefm.co.uk forward slash connect Source FM helping our community stay connected. Listening to the Source FM's weekly news summary stories to warm your heart during the lockdown. Brought to you by the Source FM news team in association with Falmouth University Journalism. Yeah.